What's up, everybody? In this video, it is an excerpt from a longer video with Sarah, a longer interview. But in this one, I just have to cut it down because it is so valuable for people wanting to transition from education into instructional design as a role. We start off with some quick fire questions. So I basically Googled things that you guys are wanting to know the answer to. And Sarah gives like three word answers just to get that out really quickly so you've got some tangible insights and tips and then the second part is we actually give each other questions and hold an interview so we do behavioral type interviews we ask about the instructional design process we ask about what how do you what tools you use and things like that and then we each give each other feedback so we really really believe this will add a lot of value to you take your notebooks out take action on what resonates, improve your stuff. You can land your dream job. You can create the dream job that you want. And I know this video will help and add a lot of value to you. So enjoy. So I want to, I want to go into like quick fire. Okay. Yeah. So I've got some things that I just thought with like the, I Googled what's common questions, stuff like that, that come up. So if you can answer it. Um, One to two sentences, I will do my best. I was going to say three words or less. Oh, I was just checking the, we'll go for three words. I like or less the challenge. First. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, advice for teacher wanting to change careers. Dig in deep. I like it. How do I get experience? Seek it out. Oh, you're gonna keep into the three um must-haves on a resume can i ask a follow-up question hmm. for instructional design or any resume instructional design hmm. i would say actions process and results Mm, nice. That will also serve you for doing interviews, people. Um, mm -hmm. So the actions you took, the, what was it? Um, so uh, actions and Something results process. <laughs> oh, yeah. How you got there. So when you write your key achievements, making sure that you're saying, this is what I did. This is how I did it. And this is why it's valuable. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, it's really important to really dig deep into why should they care? Like if you're watching a mattress commercial and you're like, oh yeah, I, I need a new mattress. And they're talking about, oh, we have this mattress, that mattress. And then all of a sudden they start talking about their Coca-Cola vending machine in the front office. You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's distracting. Yeah. So action, process, results. Love it. Yes. <laughs> um, red flags on a job advertisement. Ooh. Hmm. Three words or less. <laughs> Can I do four words? Yeah, go on then. I'll let you. Too much for too little. Oh, good. I'm, I'll back that. I reinforce. I. What do you call? I like. I vote for that too. Um. Okay, you can have three of these. So, common terms from the instructional design space that are different to teaching language, but are actually the same skills or task. Hmm. Business goals and objectives, mm -hmm. AKA state standards. Cool. Um, 
students, AKA learners slash audience. And task analysis, mm -hmm. AKA standard-based grading. Mm, cool. And rubrics. Thank you. They don't make sense to me, but I'm sure the people that are educators, they make sense too. Um, okay, so in a job search, a person's doing a job search, is it, well, this is going to be a one word answer, quality of application or quantity of application? Oh, quality. Quality, hands down. If you throw spaghetti at a wall, you have spaghetti on your wall. <laughs> you know? I. Yeah. And I, I, if we could just take a second on that, just mm. because I think this is really important. You should know what type of company you want to work for before applying. You should know what type of company that you're a fit for and do your research and be motivated because they inspire you and they should be inspired by you. Mm. Not every shoe in the shoe store is going to fit. Stop trying to make it when it's right it will happen quality every time over quantity absolutely from my own experience like i don't I've, if i've applied for five jobs in my career i've got three of them and like yeah that's because i really like i spent maybe two or three days preparing that application preparing for the interview but i was like aligned to the organization that role it just spoke to me i was like that's me right there so I was like, I'm doing everything in my power to make sure that there is no no's along this and it's worked for me. So right. I, I'm and, and you, you know, quality. it's, it's so, it's so, so important, you know, to when you're applying to like a hundred plus jobs, you're not remembering what jobs you're applying for. And they call you and they're like, Oh, we're calling about X, Y, and Z position. And if you're not ready for that and you're like, Oh, what was that for again? You just went down several notches as far as desirability because they want somebody interested in them it's wasted energy for your life as well applying yep. for too many i believe um things to google to learn more about um action mapping of course yeah uh, i love that also would say models you know instructional design models Pick one and, that they should just Google. Oh, pick one. Yeah, pick one. I have to say, I really love Guy Wallace's lean, lean instructional design, hmm. lean, uh, lean ISD. Okay. It, it's just well done. Um, I will also Google it after this. <laughs> and then, oh gosh, what else would I? There's so many things that I Google and I'm just like, I just want to know more. Um, business acumen. Because that's a big thing that even if you do prepare for it, it's, it's, it's a learning curve and it's an adjustment. And just, again, go in with that growth mindset. You'll be okay. Mm. You're going to make mistakes. It'll be okay. What is the challenge of um, that people fall into when it is when they don't know have business acumen? Oh yeah. Um, so, and I'm, I'm guilty of this myself. Mm. Um, when you're a teacher and that culture and the way that it's set up, when you 
go for a position out of school, it's like a family. And mm-hmm. when you get in, it's like, oh, this like live and die by this. And everything that I do contributes to this. Um, and that can be very toxic to your boundaries and your home work life balance that is not expected and is not appropriate in a healthy work environment. Um, and so definitely being able to, in poetry, they call it uh, murdering my dearests. Okay. And that's letting go of things that feel important, but actually aren't. Okay. Um, other than instructional design, what are three career change options that people have available to them? With or without additional degrees? Without. Yeah, okay. Um, so, hmm, there's a lot of them. Content developer, customer mm-hmm. service, uh, customer success uh, manager. Mm-hmm. um project manager cool i like it thank you for playing the quick fire i'm conscious mm-hmm. we are only booked for an hour do you have more time available because I, I have <laughs> yeah okay yeah. the next thing that i have for us is um i actually wanted to i went and googled like the the behavioral interview questions that get that instructional designers get asked And I was going to ask them of us and then see what our responses are. So we could kind of demonstrate, not that it doesn't have to, people need to remember, this is not the best example because I'm putting Sarah on the I didn't prepare for this company. Yeah. (laughs) We need 10 years experience anyway. So um, (laughs) no, but are you open to that? I've got a couple of behavioral ones. We'll just try our best. It might give a different perspective or shape people's thinking and them being able to identify their transferable skills. Yeah, and, and maybe, and we can even give feedback so that we can grow and improve on, on our answers too. Okay, all right, all right, all right. You want to go first? No, I, I, want, I want you to go. Can I ask you a question? Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, if you've got okay. one. Yeah. Um, tell me about a project that you created within a tight time frame mm-hmm. that had multiple challenges come up throughout the project. That you okay. had to overcome. I'm going to pretend I was a teacher. I like this to do this. Yeah. Well, and I'm not telling you that I was a teacher. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Thanks, Sarah. It's okay to say you're a teacher. There's nothing to be ashamed of. You know. I don't want to be put in a box. I don't want to limit oh gosh, your thinking of me. <laughs> not putting okay. you in a box. <laughs> All right, so I feel nervous now. You can see me like jumping around, like sweaty. Hands. It's nerve wracking being yeah. put on the spot. Yeah, yeah. No okay, pressure. I got it. I got it. So, um, the other day, actually, this happened for me. Uh, there was a crisis in our workplace, and I needed to step in as soon as possible and take on someone else's task and responsibility that I have no idea about, um, because it had a big impact on the stakeholders. And so it had to be done. We couldn't postpone it. We couldn't push it back. So what I did was gathered any context or information that was available to me. So I spoke to the person that delivered that news to me. And then I asked them what is available to me, what exists already. They provided what they could. 
And I asked them, what is the outcome we need to achieve at the end of this time frame, um, which was an hour and a half away. So I had 20 minutes to prepare and then I would have this experience for an hour and a half. So I was very clear on what they needed at the end of that hour and a half. I quickly skimmed through what they provided in terms of um, identifying what aligned to that goal. And then I thought about what do I know? What do I not know? And with that, I was able to feel at peace with the stuff I have stuff. And then I was tried to figure out what do I need in order to understand what's missing right now so that I can deliver on the goal. And I had limited time, so I didn't get all the answers. Um, but I believe that I got what I needed to be able to turn up after that 20 minutes and deliver what was required of me for that hour and a half. Um, and it was stressful. I had to really catch my mindset um, try and breathe to reduce the stress that was coming up because there was commotion all around me with this crisis as well. And with that, I went in and basically explained to people, this is the situation. I'm going to do the best that I can with the skills and capabilities and what I've been delivered. And here's what we're going to try and achieve in the hour and a half together. We did it. Um, I took on a curious mindset and I really tried to get the people that were in the room with me to help get, achieve that goal, like co-create and co-create the experience together. I pulled on their experiences. I didn't have all the answers. I wanted them to help me have the answers. And at the end, we got really great feedback. So at the end of the hour and a half, my participants, i.e. my school students, um, said that they loved that time together, that they were able to provide tangible examples of what their experience was with me, um, what they're going to do with it next. Our time together ended. Thankfully, behind the scenes, that crisis was averted. And when we went on, we just were able to go back about our lives. And also then my boss came to me a week later yesterday and gave me feedback on the participants and also other things that they'd heard around the workplace on how that I was able able to think really quickly and problem solve. I delivered to the goal to the best of my ability and that the participants enjoyed the experience and they would be welcome to have me back if that happened again. Okay. Well, Do I have the job? That answer. <laughs> um, so things that, so I started jotting things down because I was like, okay, I really like this. So mm. um, something, some things that I thought that were excellently ex excellently executed <laughs> um use i language which is really important sometimes as candidates we tend to use we language because it's like oh well i don't want to seem like i'm taking credit for somebody else's work but when you're in an interview it's important to really emphasize what your contributions were so i really appreciated the i language versus oh we did this together because that doesn't tell me what you did so great job with the i language um, your analysis component and your acknowledgement of missing factors and how you problem solved. It wasn't just, oh, well, I, I didn't know how to do it. So, you know, I just waited to, for somebody to tell me, like, I could see that being very applicable mm -hmm. to multiple situations and getting stuff done, uh, without handholding from a manager. Um, 
I like that you level set with your uh, clients and your stakeholders for their expectations. And you were made, you made sure to have clear uh, continual communication throughout the experience mm. um, and a growth mindset. You knew you didn't know it all, but you incorporated as best you could. And except for one part, mm. you did a really great job at staying um, with, with stating the facts and not telling me how to feel about it. Mm. Uh, you did say, I believe this was effective. Oh, yeah. um, and that was the only time I heard it, but everything else was very matter of fact, this is what I did. And I came to my own conclusions of, yes, I really, I mean, I was nodding. You can tell from the body language, they nod, they're into the story. Um, and then you not only, and this is where a lot of people miss you not only told me what the outcome was, so you delivered what was expected of you. That's great. But what you did best was adding the value add. Okay, so that happened. Why should I care about it? And it was because your students of feedback and because your boss's feedback, like I could see the value add of that situation. Um, I would say little lengthy, and sometimes, and I do this myself, like, it's so easy to say, oh, well, this was good. And this was awful. Mm -hmm. You know, like, um, we all have areas of opportunity. Uh, but to be succinct of what was the situation? What was the task? You know, what were you able to do and overcome? And what was the outcome results? What did you learn? Yeah, that's cool. I was trying to remember that what you said, action process results as I was giving my answer um and the actual the scenario just for people listening that I was trying to think in my head is I was actually just thinking I'm a teacher in a school and some other teacher has called in sick and that I needed to go in and lesson plan for their class and deliver a class on whatever the hell it was so but the way I was trying to communicate my answer hopefully demonstrated that that communicates um what is important to like an interviewer and it could be an answer to anything yeah and I think too um you know sometimes I I personally I prefer more like really specific examples mm. and then uh an analysis of how it relates to the job at hand mm. so that I can picture it better so the better picture that we can paint um can sometimes make it a little bit more tangible so never be ashamed of your uh experience especially as a teacher you were a teacher that is mm. what it is um we have to acknowledge that in order to move past it and also in order to leverage it in our new position in a way that's meaningful and effective that doesn't overshadow what we're doing now mm. i like that i think that's one thing I could do, because I kind of didn't want to um, limit the interviewer by thinking I'm an educator, I don't know how to deal with business people. So potentially next time, what I would say is this happened in the classroom of 26, 14 uh, year old students. And that I would say you could probably relate to that when it is an executive team or a group of managers, there are similarities in personalities and chaos and things that might be happening. So maybe that's how I'd link my ability to operate in the classroom experience to this now corporate world. Mm -hmm. Love it. Cool. Oh, thanks, interviewer. All right, <laughs> your turn. 
Okay. Um, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> what is your instructional design process? And so for a behavioral interview, like ideally like situation. So um, would you like me to give you one? Well, well, I mean, like as far as like, um, like typically like they'll say, you know, talk me through uh, your end and design process of a project that you completed in, you know, before or whatever. Um, All right, go for it. But but that doesn't mean that those that question doesn't come up because it definitely does. So um, I would say, oh goodness. Well, so typically when I am uh, in my previous experience as a educator, at the beginning of every year, we would have to analyze the data from the year before and the current trends in performance. Um, and so in order to really establish what are our goals and what the ask is, uh, we are provided with what our outcomes are expected to be by the end of the year. So with those outcomes in mind, we then target those skills through uh, conducting needs analysis through assessments that I've created and bringing that data and information to the team to see where the actual gaps are and what tasks would actually uh, help us bridge them and which ones are most important and which ones are not important to the mm -hmm. overall goal because we have a very limited time. So once we've eliminated the topics that are not pertinent to our behavioral change and that what we wanna see in our learners be able to achieve at the end. We, I would then um, consult as far as in previous experience, um, these are the best practices as far as uh, providing group instruction or scenario-based learning, making it very immersive and providing those options that would be effective for my target audience. So I'd really consider uh, my audience analysis as well, as far as what are their motivational factors? Uh, what are their limiting factors? Are their Maslow needs being met? Um, and to anticipate those challenges and incorporate that into my project scope and project proposal. Mm -hmm. And that is going to drive my overall curriculum plan or my curriculum architecture. And so with that, for each unit, I would then break down uh, my instructional plan. I would propose that to my key stakeholders. In this case, it was my, um, my instructional lead. So the department head and say, this is what I'm doing for this unit. Do you have feedback? Should I change anything? And then uh, from there, actually create the items and, um, there was a very big iteration component to it because I taught uh, in high school. And so the first class, you know, I'd implement and then I would say, oh, that didn't work so good. Oh, that was not good. <laughs> By the end of the day, at seven classes later, they were like, this is the best class ever, you know, because you <laughs> change and adapt. And so from the end of that, I would always take down anecdotal notes and make sure that I'm assessing formally, but also informally 
as far as were they able to perform uh, the actual skill that we were targeting for each lesson? Were they able to consistently perform that skill over time? So we would provide evaluation of that same skill uh, throughout the course of the year through um, cadenced uh, reviews and also through knowledge checks and also building on previous knowledge. And then using that to influence and reflect at the end of the year um, in order to present that data and information to key stakeholders and clients to show how we were able to drive change towards our business goals and objectives. Nice one. All right. Things that I'll summarize your process, but also things that I think are useful for people to communicate in their own way for that response. So the question was like, what is your instructional design process? Or talk me through a project from end to end. They're kind of the same question, just asked different ways. So first of all, you focus on data. So you're trying to understand the true problem. You're like looking at last year, you're looking at where you're headed. I think that's important. Um, then you have a goal. So it's clear that you're actually trying to solve some sort of problem and do something, not just for the sake of it. So that's quite, um, it seems very obvious, but not everyone does it as an instructional designer. So, or as a teacher. Okay, well, there you go. So understanding the true problem. Oh no, she did. <laughs> <laughs> no. So understand the true that was problem. fake, you didn't hear that. No. <laughs> <laughs> understand the true problem and have a goal that you're trying to work towards. Then you talked about your needs analysis. And what was good on a more detailed level is that you talked about, there's gonna be a lot of information. Some's gonna be important, some's not. Some's need to know, some's nice to know. And then you demonstrated your knowledge. So you're like, it could be this, or it could be this. We're not sure yet, but we're gonna figure it out through our process. And you also demonstrated that you wanted to involve and show empathy towards your audience. So what's important to them? What are their motivations? And then I was able to make the assumptions that you probably, if you're good, will actually consider it as part of the solution that you do create. Um, you were also able to demonstrate how you deal with hierarchy. So you said your department head. For me, I'm thinking that's someone higher up and she feels comfortable to be in meetings and having conversations and presenting work and taking on feedback from that person. So I think that was quite useful. And then the other opportunity that you presented for me to consider and which is important is the continuous improvement aspect so you talked about how you'd re review reflect and improve at the end well i done, missed Sarah. my my value my like explicit impact value add though would you like to do after it now? just praise yours <laughs> yeah i was like oh dang it if you miss something in an interview question don't get hung up on it. If you need a moment to think, ask for it. Say, um, there's a couple different ways that you can do that. You can say, uh, that's, I would, could you please reiterate the question? I want to make sure that I capture all of the components accurately. That gives your brain a little bit of extra processing time. You mm -hmm. can out, outright ask, say, I want to be sure that I provide an answer that is meaningful and direct towards the actual question at hand may I have a moment to reflect and gather hmm. so I would much rather hear personally you know everybody's different but I'd much rather hear from somebody who's willing to take a beat and consider hmm. more than jump into an impulsive answer that might 
miss components like impact. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. I like it. Rene, do you have another question? We can do one more each. Okay. Could you please tell me about a time where you had to use your influencing capabilities in order to get a SME or client that had a different prerogative or vision in mind on board to provide the best experience for the learner? I like to process things. So just give me a moment to think of a good example to share with you. Absolutely. So I think as an instructional designer, what the mindset that I have is that we're dealing with people and no two people are the same. So I'm very aware of that. And I'm particularly aware of that when I go into meetings, if I'm facilitating a workshop, if I am going to send an email or pick up the phone and speak to someone. And I need to also have the mindset and I do hold this mindset that I don't know all the answers, but I know that I can get the answers by talking to the right people and asking the right questions. And that actually helps me not have difficult conversations or conflicts or friction between relationships um, because when I'm very clear on the objective that I'm trying to achieve, the outcome of that conversation or that interaction with someone, it allows me to get rid of the emotion that may come up from two people interacting and allows me to just stick to the facts. So therefore, if they are, for example, aggravated or angry, I'm able to understand, first of all, that this may not be directed at me. They may have come from some bad news or some high pressure situation. I'm just in that energy with them. And I think that really helps me focus on knowing that I'm just here to extract information and achieve the goal. And this is not a personal uh, attack on me. I just need the facts. The second part of that is I'm always, I do take time to prepare. Even when I'm ordering pizza on the phone, I take time to prepare to know what is the outcome I'm trying to achieve. For example, I've got to order these pizzas. Do I have the pizzas and the right ingredients down? So one thing that I do with stakeholders is I really try to put myself in their shoes to understand that we do have a common objective. We're just coming from two different places potentially. And at the moment we may not be on the same page. So I wanna understand what's important to me, but also what's important to them for us to co-achieve that goal together. So I might think about if I'm talking to someone asking for more money or an extension on a project, I need to understand that staying within budget or being able to demonstrate why more money is important is important to this person. So I'll really spend time to just understand what their mindset might be around this, what their questions might be, the objections they may put at me so I can help prepare myself and even put them forward as my, my discussion points to them to debunk it so that we can have a very action focused conversation. And I think when I have an agenda, an intent with the conversation and a goal or an outcome to achieve, that I can really stick to the facts. We can have a very productive conversation. And I very rarely have a kind of chaotic 
um, relationship with people. And that's the feedback I've received from people is that I am very authentic when I communicate. I'm very concise. I get to the point and they feel like it's always been a productive experience is what they say to me. And they can't believe that we've achieved what we've achieved in that time and that we've got to the outcome, the next steps, and they continue to want to work with me. Um, quick follow-up to that. Mm. And sometimes interviewers, you know, be aware that they might ask you a follow-up yep. question to learn a little bit more. Uh, so if you had to put a percentage on about the amount of times that you were able to achieve uh, getting everybody on the same page for mm. the best interest of the learner based on best practices and whatnot, what would you say your average uh, achievement percent would be in doing that? Uh, within my control, 100% of the time. Because I run a workshop with the people up front um, and I have those right people in there to co-create. I'm going to do this really quickly now because I'm conscious no, of time. Um, so I co-create the outcome. We're all on the same page together. So we consider all perspectives and we don't leave that meeting or we have a follow-up email that gets approval from everyone in that, that, that objective so that we all know we're on those conflicting priorities, um, different agenda items, personality, personal opinions are worked out together in that space that I create because I know that that creates an issue later down the line in projects and I don't want that to happen. Now, where it goes beyond my control is potentially a new person coming into a role that hasn't been part of that conversation or a new person being part of the project that wasn't there from the beginning. So when they come in, how I do try to minimize any impact where those conflicting things may happen later down the track is that when they join, I will communicate and say, this is the agreed um, outcome that all of these, this is the journey so far, this is the agreed outcome. And if you believe it needs to shift, we need to have a discussion. Otherwise, this is what we will be targeting as we progress with decisions, actions that we take throughout the project. I love that. I'm actually going to work backwards in that dissection. Um, what I loved most about your follow-up answer was that I could tell that you had best practices in mind. You had ideas as far as like solutions, but you weren't married to them. And that was very apparent. And you were willing to acknowledge that additional perspectives from the information that was gleaned during those conversations could actually have an impact on what you feel is would be the best practice. And it's about compromise and finding again, what's best for your audience. Mm. So that was very powerful for me. It resonated with me. Um, uh, going back to the very beginning, you ask questions instead of providing knowledge, which I think is always a great approach and um, coming at it from, instead of a battle of wills, like, hey, I, I wanna know more about you, let's work together to get there. Uh, it was very clear that you empathized with your, um, with your subject matters and stakeholders to the point of trying to understand their reasonings and their actions. Like, how could this impact them? You didn't take it personally, and that's huge. 
And I love that you em emphasize that because it showed me that you could go into a high stress situation where you had the results of which were a, would be a direct reflection on your work output, but mm. you didn't let that pressure bend you to trying to force your will and therefore not getting the results and actually being counterproductive. So I really appreciated that. Perhaps one of my most favorite things about your mm. answer was that you brought in pizza <laughs> and that you made it real and you were having a conversation with me as a person. I think sometimes during interviews, we forget to do that and that we forget that these individuals were in our shoes too. And, it, and it's okay to bring, you know, a little laitiv laitivity to it, you know, but um, mm. you, know, you don't want to get too far off, but your example was, was perfect. It was a nice little touch on it. It brought a smile to my face. It brought engagement back to the story. Um, you were very objective focused. You were very end result focused. And because you let that drive the entire process, it didn't get bogged down by limiting factors. And you were a key facilitator of that. And that mm. strength really came through in your answer. I was very impressed. Thank you. So, yeah. This is really good. I'm like, honestly, this is how I would answer it if I was like having a conversation with a client or if I was in the interview. So, all right. So well, I, I would be happy to work with you. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not hiring, but I'd be happy to work with you. <laughs> One million dollars, please. Um, right. All right. Last question for you is uh, we use, I'm going to say, Seneventus uh, XYZ program that is the magical unicorn of e learning. Are you familiar with it? Oh, the magical unicorn um, of learning. So is this the same? And it is okay to ask questions, by the way. Um, I, uh, are you referring to the program that was in News Weekly last week? Was it that um, program? I'm not sure, but I just know that that's what our L&D have told me to ask you. Like our L&D team say, that's what we develop our e-learning in. It must be developed in it. Oh, I see. So. I don't have experience, direct experience with that particular program. However, if it's a comprehensive program in developing e-learning, I have um, gone through the adoption and implementation of several different uh, comprehensive programs like Articulate Storyline 360. I've used uh, Articulate Rise, um, I've used H5P as well as you know, non-e-learning components that I have doctored to make that. So for example, <laughs> being creative with, with PowerPoint in order to create triggers and, and interactive components. So while I haven't had an opportunity to explore that specific tool, I would be happy to do research between now and if I was selected for the position and even if I was selected to move on to the next interview in order to become uh, up to speed in that. And I am very confident given my, my experience in having to adapt to different technologies in order to produce work very quickly that I could come up to speed um, in order to produce the product in a timely fashion that met expectations and exceeded. So um, 
I'm very interested to learn more. I will definitely look that up this evening and um, also take some LinkedIn courses and see if there are um, any professionals that are currently using it that I can connect with and they can demo and walk me through a few things. Thanks, Sarah. Nice work. I, okay, so great things demonstrated there that you don't have experience. The fact that you said that, I think is really cool. Like you, people need permission to say those things and it is okay to say it because there's so many tools, LMSs, everything out there. We can't be expected to know it all. So I think it's okay to say, I don't have experience. Um, I think what you did really well was look at, well, like there are transferable tools and I've played with others. So there's probably similarities, which means that I've done the play there. I'm going to be able to work this out. So that was cool as well that you made that connection. Um, I really like that you put forward that you're going to go out of your way between this interview and the next one or this one and getting the job or tonight and find out about it and ask questions and get familiar with it and do learning because that shows me about your work ethic and the kind of stuff that I could expect if you were part of our team. So I really like that. Use your initiative. I guess that's what you're demonstrating. Um, and that you also said I've adapted in the past. I've made things work in the past that I didn't know how to do and I can do that again. So I just think that that demonstrates that the kind of worker that you are, like you're not gonna have all the answers, but you're the type of person that will work it out because you, you wanna contribute. Thank you. And I would say um, after the interview, mm. how I follow that up and nail that, that home mm. is that I send an email and I recap uh, next steps and specific questions that we had talked about uh, for each interviewer. Send each interviewer a separate email that is tailored to the questions and discussion that you had there. If you mm. said that you were going to do X, Y, and Z steps, then you show that how you've already started. I would follow up by immediately <laughs> going in and, and finding like courses and signing up for courses and finding people to talk to. And then in the email, I would say, um, thank you so much for uh, sharing awareness about this tool that you use. I'm super excited to dig in. I've already signed up for X, Y, and Z course, and here are the links. And I've connected with, you know, Bob Schmob and so and so, um, in, uh, to have an appointment within the coming days in order to get that demoed and start digging my feet in. Um, so even if I'm not considered for this position. It's a, a wonderful learning opportunity and I appreciate you helping me grow. Good. Really like that. I'd be stoked if I saw that. Definitely. You, you got to stand, stand out. out. It's not yeah. just about saying you'll do something. It's following through. It's the follow through, you know? Yeah. Love it. Love it. All right, Sarah, this has been amazing. I feel like this will add a lot of value to people's lives. So thank you for the experiment with me, like doing the quick fire and doing these interview so questions. It's good because like your stuff on your website, the link is in the description. Um, it is, it's the checklist, it's the steps, all that sort of stuff. So what we're trying to do here is that real world application. What does it look like? So thank you for that. Thank you for the value that you've brought. I'm really grateful that you've taken the time to share with us and the people that watch it. And I'll just encourage the people that do watch this, please share this with other people because a job is a really, really important thing for people. You know, it is people's livelihood. There's, it can really crush people's confidence when they're applying for hundreds and hundreds of jobs. 
and you do see people out there struggling. So please share this video because you can have the impact and change their lives if they are exposed to, it's just, they don't know what they don't know. And videos and being able to demonstrate what we have today really just helps people go, oh, that's what I'm gonna do next time. And that might be the one thing that lands them their dream job and means that they can live the life that they want, can just eat even. So please do that. And thank you for choosing to learn with us. Peace out. Thanks everyone. What's up awesome human. Thank you, thank you, thank you on behalf of myself and the Belvista Studios team for continuously choosing to learn with us. We really appreciate it. If the tips and the insights and the context resonate with you and you want to take your skills to the next level or you want to make your life way easier, you will love our Creator Hub. The Creator Hub is a place for people like you and us. Basically, it's the stuff that we use internally at Bell Vista Studios and then we just share it publicly with you. The Creator Hub is created by instructional designers for instructional designers. And what you'll love there at the moment is we've got a quiz could I be a better instructional designer that has so much tips in the feedback if you're interested in human-centered design or just taking your skills to the next level in terms of the solutions you're creating, the problems you want to solve. But in there as well, aren't we cute? That's us. Um, but we've got the coaching courses, freebies, give us gratitude, and also we've got some templates. And basically they're always around the lens of learning experience design, instructional design, and e-learning. So a human-centered design focus is very much what we're about at Bell Vista Studio. So putting your learners at the heart of a solution and creating something for their needs. So there's the human-centered design stuff, and then we've also got the business stuff. So this is the stuff they don't teach you about when you want to become a freelancer or a consultant in the instructional design world. So go check it out. The link is in the description. You can check out everything that is available for you. Thank you for choosing to learn with us. Continuously invest in your skills. You will be rewarded as an instructional designer. Share this stuff, share it with other people because when we are better instructional designers, we create better solutions that create better humans, that create a better world. So we have a very important role and I'm excited to be on this journey with you. Have an awesome day.